Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Weston, week five is here. The Packers are 3-1. and one. They are traveling to Cincinnati to face another 3-1 and one squad in the Bengals. Your thoughts here on Cincinnati. You look at what that team has accomplished so far this season. The victory over Pittsburgh on the road at Heinz Field, probably the most notable, but also a couple of down-to-the-wire walk-off wins, overtime against Minnesota, and then last Thursday night against Jacksonville. This is a team that's gotten some things done in crunch time. I love the Cincinnati Bengals. They're one of my favorite teams to watch, and and it's been that way for a number of years, uh, although they've been in kind of a depression for a few years after you know, the, the latter half of the Marvin Lewis era. But when the Cincinnati Bengals are playing good football, they're, they're a fun team, you know, and, and I enjoy that fan base. I love everything about them. And Joe Burrow has infused, I think, a new enthusiasm uh, that was badly needed. I mean, they needed to turn a corner. Uh, things, no question about it, had kind of taken a dive at the end of the Andy Dalton-Lewis era. And they suffered a lot of losing for a couple seasons. But Burrow, even though there was the knee injury last year, there was so much enthusiasm about the way he plays and what he was going to mean to this offense. And for him to come back and be off to the start that he is, uh, I've said it time and time again, I mean, he has the intangibles, Mike. He has good downfield accuracy. He has the poise in the pocket. He doesn't get jittery. He knows how to create plays. But what I like about him the most is he is a consummate winner. And I thought you saw that. It was a very short sample size at LSU. But he can will teams to victory. And when you look at this 3-1 and one start for the Bengals, I think, in addition to some really creative play calling from Zach Taylor, I feel like it's a lot of it has come down to Joe Burrow just kind of wanting it more and finding ways to get a victory. 113 passer rating, 72% completion percentage, and still having four interceptions, the kid can play. Yeah, absolutely. The- There are certain statistics that jump out, obviously. One is Joe Burrow, 73% completions so far this year. Another one for me is seeing that Jamar Chase, his star wide receiver from LSU, the two uh, college stars reunited now in Cincinnati. Jamar Chase averaging 17.5 yards per catch and has four of Joe Burrow's touchdown passes already this season. And another thing that sticks out to me, about this team, third quarter, Wes, coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. These guys have outscored their opponents 34-7 to in the third quarter. This is something the Packers are going to have to be ready for is that potential surge after the halftime break because this Bengals team, they're 3-1. and one. They're the only team in the AFC North that did not make the postseason last year, and they were the team that was sort of – they were completely under the radar because everybody's talking about, okay, what's going on with Big Ben in Pittsburgh? And you have Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns are a team on the rise. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals are saying, hello, here we are. <laughs> we're 3-1, and one. and I think their motivation for this game, the back-to-back 13-win Green Bay Packers are coming into Cincinnati. Yeah. This is the Cincinnati Bengals' opportunity to make a little bit of a statement here and to say, you know, here we are, NFL world. We're, we're contenders. I think the motivation for the Bengals for this game is absolutely sky high. Well, and if you watch at all some of these games that the Bengals have played this so far this year, and, and I don't want to, um, you know, there's strategy involved, no question about it. I, I, as I said, I really like the version of Taylor's offense that's kind of come out of that Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur tree. Uh, I like some of the, the little changes he's made with that and kind of brought into his own. You can tell it fits Joe Burrow really well. 
but they've also kind of played like they're operating with house money a little bit. I mean, some of the, the fourth downs that they've gone for, some of the plays that they've, they've kind of drawn up, they're, they're just loose. They're free. And I, I think there's a certain mindset there that certainly they want to compete and they are expecting to compete for a championship this year. But they're also, I think Taylor's done a really excellent job of just letting these guys have fun. They, they're, they're playing stress-free football right now. And I think that's allowing the talent to show up. The one thing we're going to have to monitor throughout this week, though, is Joe Mixon. Because when you talk about them coming out to the fast start that they've done in the second half, I think there's two things at play there. And necessarily, neither one is you know all about Joe Burrow and, and those receivers. I think it's Joe Mixon wearing teams down in the first half. Oh, yeah. And I think it's their defense playing really tight and concise football. Mixon, who didn't practice on Wednesday, we don't know what his outlook's going to be at the time in which we're taping this, but... He's the bell cow right now. Giovanni Bernard is in Tampa Bay. They have Samaje Pirine, but Mixon is the guy. I mean, it's sort of old-school smash-mouth football. This is our running back, and we're going to keep hitting you with him. Yeah, you look at the statistics. I think he has about 80% yeah. of Cincinnati's rushing attempts on the season. Yeah, so if he's not involved here, that does change the script a little bit. But I just feel like with what he's brought and the consistency that he's had these past few seasons, it starts with him. And everything kind of grows off there for what the Bengals have done offensively. Yeah, and you alluded to this Cincinnati defense, too. You're not talking about a whole bunch of household names or a whole bunch of guys that you know have Pro Bowl accolades mm-hmm. and all that. But just look at the numbers. This defense, through four weeks of the regular season, seventh in the league in yards allowed, eighth in the league in points allowed. Yep. This is a very sound unit. Nobody's had any kind of a big monster breakout game against these guys so far this year. And the Packers are going to have to be ready for it. We'll get to, obviously, some of the injuries and what's going on with the Packers on the defensive side of the ball. This Packers offense needs to needs to put together a really, really efficient game against a tough unit to also compensate for for uh, defensively Green Bay being shorthanded now. Well, what I like about what Cincinnati did this offseason is for a long time people have talked about them as sort of being the team where guys aren't necessarily being paid, right? They aren't big you know, movers in free agency. This year they were really smart about it. They knew they had to add talent to this team. There just wasn't enough of it last year, Burroughs knee injury notwithstanding. And they went and kind of invested sort of, as I mentioned during our pre-production meeting, kind of like in what the Packers did in 2019 in finding younger talent that's coming off of their rookie contracts that is still on the incline. And I think Trey Hendrickson is the guy that perfectly embodies that. Again, kind of a one-year guy with what New Orleans did last year, but what a season it was, 13 and a half sacks, really felt his presence in that defense, and he's off to a good start. They go six, seven defensive linemen deep uh, with their front. And, you know, B.J. Hill is leading them in sacks. He's not even a listed starter. I mean, they are able to throw a lot of different looks at you. And as Matt LaFleur referenced on Wednesday, it's that kind of versatility and, and aggressiveness that I think has allowed them to sort of set the tone defensively with what they've done so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a pretty uh, a pretty impressive unit that is, that's providing a, a really nice backbone 
to a uh, to an up and coming young quarterback that uh, that definitely has all the looks of a franchise guy. Uh, shout outs to our sponsors here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, on the defensive side for the Packers, no definitive update just yet on Jair Alexander. The latest word from Matt LaFleur is the Packers are hoping that Alexander does not need surgery on his injured shoulder. They are looking at some, you know, different opinions, different paths forward. If he ultimately does need surgery on the shoulder, his season is most likely over. The Packers have not made that determination yet. So still up in the air, I guess you say he's out indefinitely at this point. The Packers signing a veteran cornerback, Rasul Douglas, off of, was it Arizona's Arizona's practice squad? Um, So there's a a piece of um, reinforcement there coming into uh, the Packers' secondary, as well as Kevin King back at practice and working his way through the concussion protocol. So hoping that, uh, um, that the Packers will at least be a tad healthier even without Alexander in the in the defensive backfield. Yeah, the two big things, Mike. I mean, they can sign guys. They can claim guys. We can have a lot of conversation about that. But at the end of the day, there are two big things here that have to happen in which this time, whatever this is, where Jair Alexander is not available. It's going to be Kevin King outside, and it's going to be the versatility of Adrian Amos. I think that's what this ultimately boils down to because you saw last week without King, without Ja. The, the, the next move was moving Amos back into the box and dime, which required second-year safety Henry Black to be on the back end. That's sort of been the counter move for Green Bay in a lot of ways, is utilizing that versatility with Amos because you know he can play inside. Outside, there's a reason why, Mike, you and I have been talking for months now about this isn't Eric Stokes versus Kevin King. This isn't going to be, okay, this is the set depth chart, and it's not going to be changed. You've seen King play different spots. You've seen Stokes be in different predicaments. This point in time, the Green Bay Packers need both of those guys. Yep. And King coming back off of the concussion, still working his way through the protocol, but was at practice on Wednesday. He's an important piece, man. He's been an important piece for four years, and they need him healthy. And for them to have King and Stokes on the outside, that's the recipe to get through this. Losing a guy like Jair Alexander is not a one-player replacement. It was my lead for Insider Inbox. There's a reason why they talk about it taking all 11. There are so many different adjustments that are going to have to be made without having Ja on the field. But it really does start with King, and it starts with those cornerbacks stepping up. And this is a very tough task to come out of the gates against with what, you know, the different variations and challenges that the Bengals can present. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to see Kevin King back healthy. You want to see the the 2019 Kevin King that led this Packers defense in interceptions. The spotlight gets even bigger and brighter on Eric Stokes, the first-round yeah. draft pick, whose role and responsibilities were already increasing before Alexander's injury. Well, now that uh, that, that role and responsibility goes up, uh, you know, yet another notch and uh and you know Shannon Sullivan who Absolutely. has played a heck of a lot of football here for the Packers over the last few years 
with the emergence of Stokes, some of his snaps being reduced. Well, Sullivan's going to be back on the field quite a bit. And, uh, and you know, Jerry Gray, the defensive backs coach, Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, they're going to count on a veteran like Shannon Sullivan to, to hold his own and come through here. In terms of the starting defense, I still think Green Bay's in a really good spot. It's just about, okay, now we're starting to see the reserves. We're starting to see some of these, you know, rotational guys having to be in big moments, right? And then you're, if anything else happens, that's where you need the, the Ike Adams. You know, that's where you need – Douglas and obviously, you know, someone like Shamar John Charles to really step up. Yeah. But that being said, I think Chandon is a very smart guy. He understands what his role is. He understands where he's come from. This wasn't a first round pick. This is a guy that really, you know, scratched and clawed to get that nickel spot last year. And if he's going to want to step up and really prove himself again in that role, more than anything, though, Mike, the one area where Green Bay's set is those safeties. And I think with Amos and with Darnell Savage playing the way he is right now, a lot is going to be on those guys as well, too. Not necessarily just from a matchup perspective, but just the leadership back there, the communication. When Jair Alexander's on the field, that is one spot. That is probably 33% of the field you really don't have to think about right. when he's out on an island. Right. That's, that's not the same situation because there's only about a handful of guys in the league that can give you that kind of you know, closure in your mind. So it's going to be a difficult, difficult stretch here. But in terms of as far as his injury is concerned, Packers still holding out hope they can get him back. And and ultimately seeing what they can do. In the past, there's been shoulder injuries. I think back to Devon House in 2012 had the shoulder subluxation. I think he missed two or three weeks, and he played the rest of the season with the harness. Charles Woodson's done it. We don't know. Every injury is different. Yeah. But that's why the Green Bay Packers are taking this time here, talking to the specialists, figuring out what exactly the best course of action is going to be for Jair Alexander in 2021 and also beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another potential acquisition at the time we're taping this episode, it is not official. It could be official very soon. But media reports saying that Jalen Smith, the linebacker, veteran linebacker, released by the Dallas Cowboys, coming to Green Bay. And it'll be interesting here, obviously a, a depth signing for the Packers, but you wonder with, you know, with Zadarius Smith being out, you know, long-term here for a while, and some other things that are going on, you know, are are the Packers going to try to find a little niche role for Jalen Smith to maybe help off the edge, not necessarily play, you know, the his traditional inside linebacker? I don't know. I think this is a this is a very curious. I'm very curious to see exactly where Joe Barry wants to use a guy like this. Yeah, and and that's the big question with him even coming about back, you know, in the draft five years ago. In addition to the fact he was coming back from that knee injury, a lot of people wondering, okay, this guy can do it all. He can play in a 3-4 or 4-3 inside-outside. Where do you want to put him? He right. had a lot of success, you know, in the 4-3 defense that they were running in, in Dallas for a number of years. And, you know, I actually really like, you know, if this all ends up working out, what what this change could mean for him at 26 years old, getting a look at a new defense, a guy that, while he did have the knee injury, has played in 68 consecutive games since then. Hasn't been an injury issue with him. So, uh, so many different things to figure out, but it was interesting listening to you know Aaron Rodgers talk about some of the positive interactions he's had with him in the past. Obviously left a positive impression on him in their three meetings. He did have a sack of Rodgers two years ago in that game down in Dallas. And then also Matt Matt LaFleur. I mean, this is a, he coached. He didn't coach him position for position but he was in you know north he was at Notre Dame when Jalen Smith was just coming into his own there as a really big playmaker and got a chance to see exactly the physical specimen that he is so it's a different time it's a different opportunity but but certainly if you can add anytime you can add a player like that in the middle of a run or in the middle of a season Brian Gutekunst said from day one he wants to make sure that he turns those stones over and figures out if there's a fit yeah well 
Noon Central Time kickoff, Packers-Bengals on Sunday from Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, keys to victory here for the Packers, Wes. What stands out to you? What do the Packers have to do to come back to Green Bay 4-1? A couple things. One, uh, if Mixon plays, you have to find an answer for him. Green Bay's held the last two teams under 70 total yards of rushing, yeah. uh, which has been a big step forward after what we saw in Week 1 against New Orleans, where it didn't matter if it was you know Tony Jones Jr. or Kamara. They were having trouble stopping either of them. They've really batting down the hatches in that regard, and they've done it despite, you know, losing, you know, Chris Barnes for the last one and a half games with the concussion. And Tyler Lancaster's and been Tyler out Lancaster. as well. Yeah. The, the other aspect of this I think is important. As I mentioned early on, Burrow has thrown four picks this year, about a 3.6% interception ratio so far, rate for the season. He's going to throw for some yards. There's going to be a couple big plays. But when he gives you an opportunity, the secondary or maybe even the linebackers have to be ready for it because I think there's going to be a chance or two for them to turn over this game. Uh, That's going to be critical because if we've learned anything about the Bengals through the first month of the season, they're aggressive, they're going to take chances, even if it is fourth down, even if they're at their own 37, they're going to make those, you know, try to make those things happen, but they're also incredibly explosive. And Green Bay can't let that happen. It can't let it happen consistently for four quarters. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, for me on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned there are going to be some big plays, but the Packers have to limit those. I mean, the reason Joe Burrow has a passer rating north of 110 despite having four interceptions in four games is because of the chunk plays. It's yep. because of the 20 and 25 yard. He's got you know a 50-yard touchdown, I believe, to chase. Packers have to be able to limit those explosive plays defensively. And on offense, as I said before, I, th- I, think, it, I think this is about the, the Packers need to try to put together their, their most, really their most efficient, consistent offensive performance of the season with the way the Cincinnati defense is playing, with the way the Packers are going to have to adjust things defensively now without Alexander, the fact that you're playing on the road against a yep. good team, it's going to be a difficult environment. And as I said before, a fired-up Cincinnati team and a fired-up Cincinnati crowd considering um, you know, the attention that, uh, that they could get by knocking off a team like the Packers. This is where Aaron Rodgers, the running game, the passing game, all of the, the balance, the ball control, all of it really needs to come together, I think, for – the Packers to be able to win what I believe is going to be a four-quarter fight all the way to the end. Yeah, and, and the other thing to keep in mind, depending on what Cincinnati wants to do with those corners, depending on how they want to defend Defonte Adams last week, it opened up opportunities for Randall Cobb and A.J. Dillon. This week, it could be Robert Tunyon. It could be Alan Lazard. It could be Aaron Jones bouncing back with a big game. You just never know. But if that attention is going to be drawn to number 17 – Green Bay has to find a way consistently to make a defense pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, quickly before we go, looking around at some other key games. In the NFC North, you have Detroit at Minnesota. Detroit now at 0-4, Minnesota at 1-3. Uh, you know, the Vi- the Vikings here, I, I, I was asked in Insider Inbox this week, who's the Packers' biggest threat in the NFC North after, you know, a quarter of the season here. I still think it's the Vikings because I – you know, they've been playing pretty well defensively, even without Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. and eventually they're going to get him back. And I think of the other teams in the NFC North, the Vikings have the most explosive offense potentially. But now here, this is this is where I mean Minnesota, if they lose this and fall to one and four, you really start to wonder what's going on there in Minneapolis. Whereas Dan Campbell and the Lions, they're still looking for that that first victory and they you know, they 
tried to have a big comeback against the Chicago Bears. They were down 21-0. They got it to 24-14, but they couldn't finish the deal with the big second-half rally. Campbell's still looking for his first win for the Lions. I'm glad, you know, in terms of a Packers perspective, the Packers have the Lions in the rear view here until the season finale because I think they're at one point here, I don't know if it's this week, it might be next week, at some point Detroit's going to come out and they're going to be pushing the pace. Uh, they're just wired that way. I can't see them being an 0-16 type, or I'm sorry, 0-17 type team. They're going to give one of these teams, and they've given some good run for the money already, but they're going to come out and punch somebody in the face at some point. And that's why when I look at Minnesota's perspective and you know what Mike Zimmer is looking at this week, they have to be up on themselves here. Yes, you got that one win against Seattle, but you've had some really tight letdowns as well. How are you going to respond against an 0-4 team that if you are who you think you are and if it is the, the team that is probably the next in contention to really challenge Green Bay for the top of the division, this is a team you have to beat. You yeah. just got to get it done. Absolutely. But I just don't think Detroit's going to be a team that's willing to roll over. Yeah. Two other ones I want to get your thoughts on quickly. In the Out in the NFC West, San Francisco is at Arizona. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals 4-0 coming off of a shellacking, you might say, of the Los Angeles Rams. And the San Francisco 49ers here suddenly have lost a couple in a row after a 2-0 and start. They're looking to avoid going to 2-3 and in a very, very competitive division. I think that's an interesting one. And then the Sunday night game, Buffalo at Kansas City, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship. And with the Packers kicking off at noon, Wes, if we get our work done soon enough, <laughs> we might actually get to watch Sunday night football, like, like peacefully, yeah. you know, like, you know, with, with a beverage and maybe something to eat. Some snacks. So, uh, so anyway, I think, you know, obviously a rematch of, uh, of the AFC title game from a year ago, a lot of eyeballs will be on that one. Really fun slate of games this weekend. I just want to quickly touch on Arizona. I called them the little brother last week against Arizona or against the Rams. They most certainly are not that. I, I think what you've seen now is you, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona has a defense now and they can control the tempo games and offensively they're going to be a really difficult team to stop you talked about this upcoming stretch of games for Green Bay they're going to be very difficult you cannot look ahead but that Thursday night game down in Arizona is looking more and more daunting by the week Mm -hmm. uh, just based on what the situation is going to be and how difficult that opponent is going to be that's a really good, talented West division, and you're going to have another great game, you know, with uh, with Seattle and the Rams. The Rams having to bounce back going to CenturyLink, whatever it's called now. Um, that being said, this is going to be something where you want to see the West beat up on themselves, because ultimately that's where the Green Bay Packers could potentially gain some separation in that chase for the only buy in the NFC. That's right. This is why you got to win these games right now. That's really, it's a long season, but that goal does not change. Green Bay got through that first quarter. And as Aaron Rodgers said, with the changes to the noon central time starts with the energy, you know, alterations that are going to be made just by having an earlier game. There's a lot of stuff that Green Bay has to stay up on. And if you can continue to take care of your own business, you got Chicago going and facing Vegas. You got these NFC West matchups. Huge opportunity here for Green Bay to get some separation if you know you can you can rile up some more wins. Yeah. Josh Allen and the Buffalo offense almost unstoppable since that week one loss to the Steelers. Do they keep it rolling in Arrowhead? What I, do you think? I think they do. Because I think uh Kansas City's super talented yet, but they've shown that they have some flaws this year. Uh, particularly with that defense. I think yeah. there's going to be an opportunity or two. And the other thing I like about Buffalo, 
They're starting to realize more and more that as talented as Josh Allen is, they have a really good running back in Devin Singletary. Yeah, they And they're do. starting to feed him a little bit more. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team as well as all of the coverage of Sunday's game from Cincinnati. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.